electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber along with Jim Kramer. Carl is going to be joining us shortly. Intraday highs look likely at the open as strong earnings, vaccine news, and stimulus outweighs worries about new COVID variants or inflation. Yeah, inflation, the 30-year yield. Hey, it hit 2%. And Brent for oil is at 60. Let's get to our roadmap this morning. It does start with the cooling Reddit trade volatility. Stocks look to continue, as we said, to rise following Wall Street's best week last week since November. Plus, we're going to talk about Tesla's Bitcoin move, the automaker buying one and a half billion dollars in cryptocurrency in that cryptocurrency. And it does plan to start accepting it as payment for its products. And we do have renewed concerns about COVID. South Africa halts AstraZeneca's vaccine rollout. And President Biden says herd immunity, well, it could be difficult to get to before summer's end. And Jim, of course, uh, I don't know where you want to start this morning. You know, I mean, we should point out when we talk COVID, there is good news, which is the case counts are way down. Hospitalizations are down. Deaths lagging, unfortunately, and continue to be quite high. Uh, But there is a lot of concern about new variants. At the same time, vaccinations are picking up pace. Look, I, I am very uh, positive, and a lot of my information comes from Dr. Gottlieb, who's been very good about the rollout. He didn't use the word uh, glut, but he did say that we're going to be hard-pressed to find more people beyond 100 million, uh, literally in April, uh, it, who have already taken it. And I think that what he's saying is a clarion call of, we better find a new way, other than the algos that were talked about today in the Wall Street Journal, to get those vaccines to people once we have so many of them. So, David, look, I, I know we can say that the, it's going to be with us for a long time, but I get my flu shot every year. I keep thinking, why haven't they wiped out flu? But they haven't. I think it's going to be a form of flu from the very beginning, David, uh, literally a year ago. You said that when we have therapeutics, when we have a mist, yeah. when we have something we can take care of ourselves, then this will become an illness, not a fatality. It's something that's killing millions of people. David, I think we're getting closer and closer to that, but we keep losing sight, you know, eye on the prize. We keep talking about a vaccine. We need to talk about therapeutics. No, you're right. It's, you know, it's funny because there was, a, there was a period of which, as you know, I thought and many others perhaps believed as well, you'd see the therapeutics prior to seeing the vaccines. But in fact, the vaccine moved, moved along at rapid speed, uh, and we're thankful for that. But those therapeutics will be there eventually, Jim. And to your point, as this stays in the background, as this mutates to some extent, those actually may end up still being a very important line of defense, something right. that you can right. take if, in fact, you get it, if there is adequate testing around as well, which we all hope will be the case, uh, that will just uh, immediately stop the symptoms and or the progression of any disease And so that will be really important, and that will allow us to be back to normal as well, even when we do get closer to herd immunity. Well, what I've been spending a lot of time on is talking about what is back to normal. Is back to normal going to the mall? We have Simon Properties tonight. We should find out, right? Simon Properties, good good company. Uh, Is back to normal traveling again? Is back to normal saying, you know what, I'm going to go out to eat? A lot of the ads last night in the Super Bowl about going out to eat, trying to make it so that restaurants do well. David, I think the cost of making people feel confident 
to go to a restaurant are, will still be higher than what the traffic will bear. I do think Uber's interesting, if only just because that's just a phenomenon of people wanting to stay at home that we've learned about. And it's become ingrained. It's one of the reasons why we know that, uh, that Uber's been terrific. The DoorDash, David, what a stock. And you know the founders, you know the founders and the money back there, making it so that it's a change in the way people feel about uh, private equity, way, the way people feel about venture capital, as well as the way people feel about SPACs. Obviously, we have to get to that. Yeah, well, we always got to talk SPACs. There are so many today, both new ones and deals being announced. You mentioned DoorDash, of course. That has benefited the likes of SoftBank, as right. you know. I was just looking through their slide presentation Although, for some reason, not coming up on this computer, but upstairs, DoorDash, a huge, huge winner for the Vision Fund. Some $8 billion or more, I believe, uh, is what we're talking about. I want to make sure I'm not uh, that I translated already from yen to dollars there, but uh, has helped the Vision Fund is really to significant gains. Uh, again, because of all of this capital markets activity, Jim, that we're talking about, the valuations that we're seeing on names such as DoorDash, and you can go through any, uh, any number of other ones. In fact, Vision Fund 2 is benefiting from Open Door. Remember that one? Yeah, that uh, good, which is going public through yeah. a SPAC. They're having uh, a good year. Good quarter. <laughs> Uh, and so many others. And, and it does get us quickly to sort of the speculative parts of this market, to a certain extent at least, whether it's the Reddit trade, of course. And we'll keep an eye on shares of GameStop, as we always do, uh, and or AMC. Do you see, by the way, that Wanda is trying, may have registered so that they can potentially sell stock, unclear if they have yet. Right. But there it is. And then to SPACs, as you point out, uh, so many out there that are both listing and then that are announcing their deals and, I mean, you're bringing so many companies public, Jim. It, you know, if we were having a wave of IPOs of all sorts of different types of quality, we'd be talking about it as well. Yes. I mean, this morning I'm looking at Volta, uh, which is a, a SPAC that's merging with uh, an outfit called Tortoise. And, you know, maybe the Tortoise beats the hair. Uh, SNPR, they're merging. David, you know what they are? They're a differentiated and unique electric vehicle charging station. There are now four differentiated, unique EV charging stations out there. Yeah. I, the EV is fascinating uh, because you've got so much competition between so many of these companies that are getting access to capital that are going to be able to fund their business plans. But, Jim, you know, there's always going to be winners and losers. The question is who it's going to be. Is it going to be the best idea? Is it going to be the best science, best execution? Somebody going to bring them all three together? I don't know the answer, but I, I don't know that they're all going to be the winners. Well, I listened to Gore's number seven come yep. on Squawk Box this morning. Right. They're talking about putting they have 400 million in the game, which is a lot more than some of these other guys in the game. That seemed compelling to me. Uh, David, we have a lot of companies that are involved with direct listing, too. Uh, some of the enthusiasts out there love Palantir. Palantir's AI, very good company. We don't really know a lot about the financials yet other than the fact that it came direct and it's tripled. But they made a deal with IBM. Now, typically, David, when you do these deals with IBM, it's a kind of a, a, a one-minute bump, frankly, because IBM likes to make deals. But no, the enthusiasts have gotten behind Palantir. It's going to be the biggest gainer right now. And that is another form of excitement, or you could say speculation, because that deal in the hands of uh, XYZ Corp would mean very little. XYB, let's say it was Salesforce, right. which they have a deal. But no, the people who like Palantir take this, David, and they just run with it. Yep. And, and I don't think when you try to do traditional analysis of the value of that deal, it will not produce that kind of return. It would not. But it doesn't matter because maybe the traditional analysis, David, is the is, no, is the quantity. Right. It's just a, it's a press release. I don't know. I haven't even. Uh, it's a press release. Yeah, it's a press release. Uh, it's a press release. 
They have a partnership consisting of IBM's hybrid cloud data platform designed to deliver AI for business with Palantir's next generation operations platform for building applications. Well, there you okay. go. Yeah. Red Hat. That's I mean, worth 10%. Come on. Well, D- David, it's, a, it's an enthusiast stock. Yes. Um, in the same way that we talk about, we put up a graphic often about a, a video game company. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of people who like pet, who like pet smart today. I don't know if you've seen that symbol, Wolf. Right. Well, Wolf is challenging Chewy. Yes. Well, the person who really got GameStop going is a co-founder of, of Chewy. Chewy. Correct. So is that good or bad for GameStop that Wolf might be challenging Chewy when the person on the board that got GameStop going is from Chewy? I don't know. You don't? No, I don't know. You don't know? No, I, I don't know what, if, if and why he has not collared his stock. That's Mr. Well, what's his name? Mr. Cohen, is that his name? I, uh, uh, Eth- Eth- no, I don't know. It was Ezra. Ezra. Ezra? Ezra? Uh, but no. what's so great about this, David, is yeah. that it's all one giant, vast conspiracy against the little guy. Mm-hmm. Little guys, wake up. You're smarter than the big guys. Don't buy the conspiracy. Buy the companies you like. Right? There is no big guy conspiracy, David. There's, a, there's more information goes to wealthier people than not because they pay a lot of commission. But is that information worth it anymore? Wouldn't you rather find, I mean, did the information provide a reason to buy GameStop, Wall Street? Say that again. Somebody was talking in my ear. How's that person doing? No. Um, when you think about the move in GameStop, it yep. wasn't really led by Wall Street. Right. It was led by the people. Yes. And David, as I learned in college, the people united will never be defeated. Uh, Janet Yellen had some thoughts, I know, on, uh, on GameStop and Reddit. We've also got that Reddit ad that we all saw in the Super Bowl. Take a, listen to, take a listen to Yellen. The Securities and Exchange Commission is working hard to assemble a report that gives us the facts. And when we have them, um, we can look at uh, whether or not there uh, were issues that need to be addressed through new policy or regulations. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure the markets function efficiently, that um, investors are protected, and also that they understand the risks that they face um, when they engage in trading. Mm -hmm. And all of that will be reviewed. Yeah, the risks that they face when they engage in trading, Jim. What can I say? Which is something you try to explain as well. I know, but I'm regarded as being a suit. Yes. Thank heaven I got a nice one on. This is a 180 count, dude. I'm glad to see that. Yeah. Um, glad to but see you, you know, back in general right here in the studio. So things I, I like. Education. Can't get close enough to actually touch your no suit. No problem. Yet, but I soon. like education. I like informed mm-hmm. uh, investing. Mm-hmm. I like people doing a good job. I like suitability. David, I am the definition of old hat. Yes, you are. And you know what? None of those things fly because those are all reasons why people think I'm keeping them down. Yeah. I'm keeping him down. Uh, I also, by the way, hurt Mahomes' toe. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, no, I, I was, was successful in blocking Hill almost everywhere. Yep. I was everywhere in that game. People don't know it. They thought I was tweeting. There was a lot of, you know, what we're talking about, what, what those Super Bowl ads, that GM ad on EV with Will Farrell. We'll talk about, yeah, see that. How about Bruce? Springsteen? Yeah. yeah. The end there? Yeah. That was powerful. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Speaking of commercials, stay with us. We're right back. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, 
the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back. Right before the break, we were talking, of course, about some of those Super Bowl ads, whether it be EV that uh, GM is focused on. Also, of course, uh, gets us to Tesla and Bitcoin. Want to bring Carl in. Gotten uh, some audio issues uh, ironed out there. Uh, Carl, I don't know if anything stood out to you from uh, the game. Obviously, the game itself was not particularly exciting after a while. Though we kept waiting for Mahomes to make his move. Never happened. Yeah. Uh, difficult uh, for CBS, maybe from a rating standpoint. We'll see how many people stayed up late. But, uh, yeah, the the pastiche gym of the advertising community was definitely centered around EVGM, of course, with that ad with Will Ferrell, where he goes to Norway because he finds out that Norway is somehow ahead of the U.S. in EV development. I think we have a brief bit of sound. Take a listen. Did you know that Norway sells way more electric cars per capita than the U.S.? Norway. <laughs> Well, I won't stand for it. Come on. With GM's new Ultium battery, we're going to crush those losers. Crush them! Keenan. Wait, what's this? Oh, it's my daughter's birthday. I it's don't lately. care. Grab an EV and meet me in Norway. Hey, Aquafina, Norway's beating us at EVs. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. Meet me there in an hour. Can I ride with you? No! GM's Ultium battery is made for all types of vehicles. Soon everyone can drive an EV. Will is probably flying private. <laughs> okay, Norway, listen up, you fish-loving. Oh, this place is adorable. Uh, it gets better from there. Uh, we're going to get earnings this week, uh, Jim, uh, from GM. And also, as we watch Brent at 60, I know David mentioned at the top, uh, JPM's going to host a call this morning about what they're arguing will be a massive underinvestment cycle in crude energy uh, on top of a oil super cycle and sort of the risks of massive infrastructure underinvestment. Oh, no, oil super cycle. Whenever you're a super cycle, we got to duck. The oil is at uh, 60. The curve says five years from now will be considerably lower, uh, 48. Uh, uh, back in November, when oil was much lower, the curve also indicated 48. So the curve is the forward market is not signaling this is going to happen. Of course, we wonder at what point did the Saudis say, you know what, we're going to take the money and run here. But I will point out that Feb 10 is a very important day because Mary Barra, apropos of that commercial, is so committed to ending fossil fuel cars that I think you're going to say to yourself, we can talk all we want about Tesla, and Tesla's going higher, obviously. Bitcoin will go higher. But Mary Barr is not going to be left behind. Same way, similar to the way Jim Farley said he would not be left behind at Ford. David, it is kind of a... An incredible moment where you see short-term oil going up, and yet you have people at major companies, and by the way, at major countries uh, we could make fun of, but that are so committed to getting rid of fossil fuels, long-haul cars, whatever, uh, or move to green hydrogen, that it's really, it's, a, it's going to be a clash of the titans. And I don't think it's going to get to 2030 with oil still climbing. I think oil peaks. You, you do. I, I do. Mean, because, you know, when you, when you do speak to, if you speak to a, a Mike Worth, for example, who runs Chevron, sure, or any great. of the other CEOs of the major oil companies, they will tell you, listen, there is an expectation that that will occur over time between now and let's call it 2040. 
But at the same time, Jim, they'll still say the, the amount of money that was uh, on CapEx this year was far below what was spent in 2013 right. when we were nowhere near you know, what we're still consuming now. So even if we go like this in terms of consumption, um, there's still not enough money being spent to find new sources. We're going to need it or else there is still going to be a, 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 a big price tag attached to the commodity itself. I'm not going to disagree. The budgets are down. Uh, by the way, the federal lands, people keep asking me, what is Biden really restricting? The federal lands that would be drilled on are just some areas west of the uh, Permian Basin, actually in New Mexico. So that itself is not going to cause uh, oil to go up, our own drilling or lack right, of. Right. Uh, pipelines very hard to build. That could make it so that more oil is trapped here. But, you know, David, look, I think it's, a, it, it's really going to come down to when we listen to Mary Barra talk about uh, the fact that she's committed, say, the tw- series of 2030 expectations and whether we can get the batteries, David. One of the reasons why, and I happen to like Jim at a quarter, one of the reasons why we are so struggling to try to figure out is how quick this is going to be, is, is that the alternative engine and the alternative batteries, we can't just turn on a dime, David. There may not be enough uh, of the ingredients in batteries to make enough batteries. So we're all very glib that we have them. GM does have a very good battery operation. Yeah, the question also becomes, Carl, right, exactly. What All those batteries, all the charging stations that are going to need to be put in. I mean, this is years to come, not to mention the power generation itself for all those cars that are going to be now relying on the electricity grid as opposed to pumping, at the, uh, pumping gasoline. It's going to be a fascinating transition. Yep. We're watching it occur, of course, in the, in the capital markets every day in terms of the speculative nature of some of these names for companies that some will be the leaders and some will fall by the wayside, as we said earlier. They're not all going to win, yeah. David? No, tr- tr- Carl, aren't, don't they all win? No. Well, I think to David's point, transitioning from a network of gas stations to a complete reliance on the grid over the long term uh, raises risks about not just uh, investment in the infrastructure. There's cyber issues as well, uh, national security risks. So, yeah, it's a giant pivot. Uh, by the way, Jim, uh, it sort of brings us to what Tesla said in the 10K, not just about Bitcoin, although that was obviously the major news, but this notion they said that microchip demand in personal elect- in electronics, uh, because of uh, everybody buying iPads and PCs during COVID, is now having an impact on them, uh, just as the chip shortage at large is having an impact on the industry in aggregate. But I think that Ford had a great quarter, but then Jim Farley correctly identifies maybe one and a half billion, two billion uh, comes off. Uh, you can't find the chips. The chips are in some ways being hoarded by the Chinese. Uh, they do not have just in time. We have spent a huge amount of time in our country having just in time inventory. Make sure we don't need the. We take the chips with the second we need them. And what's happened there, Carl, has made it so that if you have a just in case philosophy, which China has, you're get, getting all the chips you want. It is going to hurt GM. It is going to even hurt Tesla. They can make it, but it's an 18-month start to finish. And, of course, there's a lot of moves to have foundries built in this country. It takes a long time to build a foundry. Yeah. Guys, Jim mentioned uh, some of those calls on uh, Wolf. Got some other new coverage on stocks like Affirm. Got uh, some calls on Target, Denny's, Viacom, Estee Lauder, Las Vegas Sands, MGM. We'll get to all of that when we come right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, it's time for a mad dash uh, as we get ready for an opening bell here on this Monday. You love uh, SD Lauder. Yes, I do. And I just love because talking about SD Lauder. All I the do. Time. Well, Fabrizio Freitas has taught me so much. He's a fabulous CEO. He reported an amazing quarter. A lot of people were looking for a shortfall. Why? Because a lot of people say, well, wait a second, isn't this stuff sold in Nordstrom? Isn't it sold in Macy's? That is such a small channel now because Fabrizio Freitas embraced tremendous direct-to-consumer around the world and has had unbelievable numbers in China. David, eight firms today go out positive. One of them, J.P. Morgan, which had been a leading bear, goes from sell to buy. I think this stock can easily, if you look at the average of the price targets, it's about 305. Uh, I don't think it'll have a hard time getting there because it's become the favorite of people who want a trade about the opening. Uh, because when we open, we go to duty-free. That's where a lot of these places are sold, and China opened. China's healthy. But also, David, because it's the Zoomy generation. It was the selfie generation, now it's the Zoomy. And they talk on the call, and they talked on my show, about how much makeup you need on a Zoom call. That it, it's really flaws and all. I don't know, Dave, when you do a Zoom call, don't you find yourself looking kind of not favorish? Yes, I don't, I'm not particularly fond of doing Zoom calls at all, as people know. By the way, why have so many Zoom calls replaced just regular phone calls? Why do you have to do a Zoom when you wouldn't have done a Zoom previously? Can't you just do a regular phone call? Because you're a loser. I'm a loser? If you use a regular That goes phone without call. saying. Why do you also have to now schedule your phone calls? Why can't you just call somebody and have them answer the darn phone? Sorry. Believe it or not, it's the way people do it. Yeah. I got to schedule calls now and then they got to be zoom calls and then as you say i got to put makeup on to have the zoom call you better put makeup on damn i just did a zoom answer call your yesterday. phone when i call you i had zoom call i did no makeup on five people said i look sicker than i've ever looked i'm never doing that again you look fine oh thank you you're welcome and it's good to have you back in person thank you. at least here nice suit too all right opening bell coming up stay with us That's the five-second uh, Reddit ad from the Super Bowl last night, uh, reading in quote, who knows, uh, maybe you'll be the reason finance textbooks have to add a chapter on tendies. Uh, Jim, interesting, you know, uh, Art Cashin, who's had some different views about the so-called retail rebellion, uh, writes this morning, he says, um, everything we've read confirms what we said from the very beginning, that the retail rebellion was a bit of a farce and an illusion that the financial media bought into much too readily. Ooh, um, I, I hate disagreeing with Art. We've all known him for a long time. I, I think the retail uh, revolution is real. I think it's much more involved with Robinhood and the 17 million people that they've signed up. Whether they're happy or not, they're there. Uh, Reddit is a, a form of dissemination. Is it this form that I like? It's, it's an enthusiast form. David, I really don't have a problem with this. I want more people in. And when more people get in, maybe there's the possibility that they find a Tesla. Maybe they find a Palantir, as we mentioned. Maybe they get, uh, they get involved in a short squeeze that they might not understand, and we've got to help educate. But the more, to me, the Murray meant. The more, the merrier. And I'm never going to change. I want more people no, in this because do. they need to augment their paycheck. Right. They don't make enough. People you, don't make enough money. No, I understood. But you also want to be here to remind people that at some point, 
uh, things can get irrational. Right. Uh, and the rationality does typically come back to markets in some way. I mean, those of us who reported on and lived through, of course, the late 90s into the dot-com boom, through the boom and into the crash know it well. And we've seen it. And there were plenty of people who ended up getting hurt there as well. Well, I think who made money along the way and then got hurt. I don't know where it all ended up, except that the U.S. government had a lot more tax receipts as a result of all that trading. 330 companies failed. But a lot of companies failed. 330 companies failed between 1999 and 2000. That's a list. It's a veil. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's the opening bell, guys. Uh, At the uh, NASDAQ, happy birthday. Uh, Celebration of its 50th anniversary. Uh, Adina Friedman, CEO, ringing the bell alongside former NASDAQ CEOs. At the big board, it's supply chain software company E2Open celebrating its public listing via, what else, David? A SPAC. As we look at um, (laughs) other news on the SPAC front from the likes of Danny Meyer, the journal has this piece about Singer and Elliott. Yeah. I mean, listen, it goes on and on. I know I'd heard a list last week. I mean, David Simon from Simon Properties. Obviously, we've already Omar Ishraq. He did his last week at Danny Meyer, A-Rod. Uh, and every day you just go on and on. Uh, Gore's Six did their deal. That's Matterhorn. Right. I know you're looking closely or at that seven, company. Andrew talked about today. Right. Was that was six or seven, though, did the deal. Gore's Six, I think, did the deal. Okay. And there's right. seven right. coming. Seven coming. Um, I, I mean, I can't even keep up, Carl, is where it really ends up in, in terms of the, 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 the plans for SPACs to go public and then the ones that are doing their deals. But, Jim, it comes back to this idea. We're going to have an awful lot of public companies out there that we're going to talk about for one day and then lose sight of until perhaps either the day that they uh, fail or the day that they get acquired or, I don't know, something else newsworthy happens, or they have some breakthrough in battery technology that, that sends everything up. Well, we have some good charts on CNBC.com, which lists all the, you know, the 50 that are where they are, and another 50, and they're already out of date. Unfortunately, I had to constantly update them. But you're right, Dave. Look, I do the lightning round on, on, on Mad Money, Carl, and most of my questions that I get are about SPACs. And I constantly try to review, well, how much money does the sponsor put in? Uh, who are the people? And I'm getting defeated by the notion of the celebrity SPAC. The person with a great brand name is someone people give money to. And it's kind of like they have a bank account to be able to do what they want. I, what I worry about is, are there enough great companies to buy? Because if there were, then why wouldn't all these public companies be in there buying them? Uh, well, why wouldn't? I mean, these, uh, it's, it's hard to believe there could be that many great ones. Yeah, I mean, this is where uh, Ari Burkhoff, David, has talked on our air about sort of broadening your mind as to the universe of potential cash flows that can be discounted, right? I mean, in his his view, it could be a single person, a celebrity, an athlete. No doubt. And and listen, there is, you know, there there are a lot of private companies out there that we perhaps were not uh, as aware of. There are units of public companies that perhaps would also... Uh, be something that could take in, be taken public uh, through a SPAC. There have been a couple done. There will be more. Obviously, there are also plenty in the, uh, in the portfolios of private equity firms. And so it becomes an exit in the same way an IPO would have been, because essentially that's what we're talking about as we take a look at AMC shares guys down. But, but to Jim, to your point, you also wonder with all of this money chasing these deals and at least some questions about the timing and due diligence and how much time is being taken by some of the sponsors on doing their diligence, you certainly have to keep an eye on the quality of, of the transactions. Everybody's going to promote them out of, the, out of the box. 
as they should. Some are going to be great, just like a, an IPO of any company, right. potentially with, with a very strong business model and the ability to execute will ultimately succeed. And quite a few will ultimately not be particularly good. They're not all in the same. As we take a look at our post deal, that gives you there a you sense, go. by the that's way. That's what I need to see. That's, that's, good. The, that's the 50 deals that have been done by SPACs after they've announced the deal. Okay. Then we also have the 50 that are just SPACs that haven't actually announced their deal, which in some ways is even more incredible. Yes. Why aren't they all just trading in 10 is the question. Why are they all up? And obviously we've talked a great deal about CCIV perhaps being the poster child right. for a stock that has gone up enormously on the prospect of a potential transaction. In this case, at least uh, people think they know what deal it's going to be. But Jim, so many of these just move up for no real reason other than perhaps confidence in the sponsor. Well, I, I think you uh, feel, and Carl, you probably do. I get calls probably every other day. Uh, should I do a SPAC? And it's a person who's a, a name brand. And the question is, well, why not? And I say, why not? Because when, I, when we started the, uh, the street uh, and we came public in 1999, Goldman, Anthony Noto, great banker, uh, now SoFi, took uh, the management team around flying all over cities. What happens? Well, uh, the management team does nothing for 10 days as they sell the deal. 10 days, business falls off. This is a really easier way to do it. But what's amazing is they're allowed to make projections. Carl, they make these 20, 30 projections. And now the SEC hates projections. They make it sound like it's easy as pie. The SEC doesn't want that. The SEC has a review, a very rigorous review. You go back and forth and back. And, forth. You, and all of that's gone. And I cannot believe that Gary Gensler is going to say, you know what? We, we're going to let this SPAC market be bigger than the regular market. I also can't believe how the, uh, because they get to do some <laughs> financings, the big firms aren't shutting this down or trying to. But it is amazing that there are two standards. There's the standard of the SPAC and anything goes. And then there's a standard of the traditional offering where you can't really say much good at all. It's all risk factors. So every SPAC, David, the reason why I think, David, the, they trade above 10 is yep. when you read them, they're all going to the moon. And I mean, you know what that, when they do that, the moon, you should uh, yeah. stonk, moon. I like that. You like that? Yeah, I do like that. Emoji. I like that a lot. Snap. Good quarter. Why? Kathy Wood liked the quarter. Whoop. Going to the moon. Yeah, going to the moon. Uh, no, you're right, Jim, and you made this point as well. The SPACs obviously have to detail everything in their prospectus when they go public, but to your point, it really is only about what they're hoping to accomplish. But when they actually announce the deal, they aren't as wedded to those numbers because those are just projections. Yes. And they aren't in the same treated the same way, I guess, Jim, is, is, is it, what it amounts to. And so that you can project things that you might not otherwise feel as emboldened to do were it an S-1 filing. Yeah, well, of course, Carl, when you submit something to the SEC, you submit a document to the SEC, there's a group of very smart people uh, who look things over and they come back and say, we think this is risky. We're not sure you can do that. We're not sure you can do this. And they're your bosses and you change. Here, uh, the SEC, I, I, I'm not saying they take a blind eye. I'm sure that Gary Gensler, the new SEC head, is trying to figure out what the heck to do. But the kinds of things that are being done here, having submitted a deal to the SEC, are laughable. I mean, I, if I made these claims that when I started the street, the SEC would have called me and said, listen, you're, you're never coming public ever. Ever. Because we're not going to allow that. Yeah. We want to protect the people from what we think is overenthusiasm. And, you know, no one's protecting the people from these, which is why I think David's right. In 1999, they did get a little lax at the SEC because there were so many deals. But at the same time, they knew, knew that you could not make certain projections. David, this time, the SEC must be looking, the professionals at the SEC, and saying, we should be reviewing these. People are going to get hurt. 
right now they're small enough, maybe not that much, but they, they have a proprietary nature of trying to keep it so that the public isn't hurt. And that's nowhere. Nowhere at all. And Carl, speaking of that, of course, we watch AMC shares. They've been successful in selling stock. Questions there as to whether there are some of their other shareholders not taking advantage of this incredible move upward from, let's call it, two bucks. Interesting story. And I think it was the New York Post just sort of detailing the different moves that Adam Aaron has made to keep that company out of bankruptcy uh, and successfully so sort of buying time until, well, something unexpected came along, didn't it, Carl, which is this move that allowed them to sell yeah. even more stock and perhaps allow them now to have plenty of runway to get to that point where people really are going back to the movie theaters. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Wynn offering another five and a half million shares. Uh, we're watching that. Jim, uh, record highs across the board. We should mention that. That's without the help of Apple today. One of the big laggards is uh, Hyundai's now says, Jim, they are not currently in talks with, that, uh, with Apple on that autonomous EV. I mean, there had been one report out of South Korea that said this deal was going to get signed on the 17th of this month. Well, it really just points to the opacity of trying to read into what Apple's doing uh, on any front. Apple's Fight Club. If you uh, first rule Fight Club, you can't talk about Fight Club. And whenever you're an analyst covering a company that does a lot of business with Apple, you're always frustrated because you're never allowed to mention it. Say, oh, and then a big company. And then there's a company out in California. Uh, if anyone squawked about this uh, from the uh, Korean side, it's a no-go. That is not how Apple does business. Apple's about the customer. Apple will announce a deal when they think the customer is going to get the best shake and the best product, not when the supplier says it. So, I mean, maybe it was a gun-jumping situation, but, Carl, uh, Tim Cook stands for one thing, which is that the customer satisfaction is the most important thing. He does not stand for news releases. He is not about putting out things until he's absolutely certain it's right. So I think when, the, when this story unravels, we're going to find out that perhaps – uh, Hyundai was not as uh, as circumspect as they should have been when they're dealing with Apple. Hmm. Confirm. Uh, overall, guys, um, yeah, a, a bit of a reopening play, Jim. Uh, second time in a couple of weeks now, we've seen Disney lead the Dow. Uh, we're up to 185, um, uh, followed by some oil. Uh, Cisco, by the way, awfully close to an 18-month high. But uh, you know, we got a downgrade of Viacom today. Uh, I think it was over at. Um, UBS on some challenging risk reward, but Disney is powering ahead. That may have been a reaction to the endless Paramount Plus ads. There were a lot of those. Yeah, there were a lot of that. (laughs) They pushed that hard. You know, it was tough enough to watch a game. I had to watch those. When you're last into streaming, you got to push it hard. But I I will say this. My daughter said, wait, (laughs) they're going to have SpongeBob? There you go. Yeah, she's she's like, we're getting that one. So I was like, all right. But Disney, him, you know. look, Disney is maybe, I've been saying Disney and Boeing, the two greatest reopening trades there are. Uh, Disney is a place that needs crowds, needs lines, needs uh, Aaron to be able to have theaters open, needs sports, obviously. Uh, sports are more fun when they're not cardboard figures. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, cardboard figure, excellent ad. Uh, for, uh, he used <laughs> to be a Lincoln perspective. You know, now he's Doritos. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> But I, if you I, take a look at Disney on the power of, uh, of direct-to-consumer. Direct-to-consumer. And Viacom, and by the way, has gotten, a lot of Viacom's gotten swept up to, to a limited extent, at least, I think, in, in some of the speculative fervor around uh, large short positions. Uh, I mean, that stock's still at 43% year-to-date, back to a $33 billion market value uh, at Viacom. Almost respectable. But we'll keep an eye on Was it March 4th? I think they're rolling out Paramount+. Plus. Guys, I did want to get to something we don't see too often, which is an overbid. 
Uh, Jim probably knows more about these companies than I do because I know very little. I'm talking about Coherent, which got a bid just a few moments ago from a company called MKS. Uh, It's an overbid because they're already in a deal to be acquired by a company called Lumentum. Uh, You see Coherent right now, I got it halted. So that's what's going on with that. It's 240 bucks a share. It's made up of 115 in cash and 0.7473 shares of MKS for each share of Coherent. That is a premium to the Lumentum deal, they say, of about 16%. So we're going to see how Coherent opens when it, uh, I'm sorry, trades when it opens, Jim. Um, At the same time, Lumentum is expected to make a case here. It says, you guys have huge antitrust risk. This is a board that's not going to want to undertake that, uh, particularly not with any guarantees about it. I guess um, they are the largest and most dominant players in the development of lasers used for scientific applications and certain microelectronic fabrication applications, Jim. Very good company. So that's going to be their line of defense at Lumentum saying antitrust, antitrust, antitrust. We'll see whether it works. Well, it could. I mean, these are companies that are laser, but they're also uh, very cutting edge uh, when it comes to fiber, when it comes to lighting. And when we hear it, think about fiber, remember, you know, David, we, we don't talk enough about 5G. We don't talk enough about what people can do uh, to replace maybe one day the current system with, with 5G. 5G obviously on the mind of a lot of the advertisers last night. But anything involving light, anything involving laser always ends up being involved with telecommunications and with the data center and how people get information. So this is, you know, this deal, there's another deal to David, David that yeah. is, is important. Um, I don't know if you saw the deal that uh, Renesa says a Japanese company, 20% premium, buying Dialog. Mm-hmm. That is an Apple supplier. Lighting, power management, mm-hmm. audio, power conversion. Uh, these are, the, the consolidation here all started with Lisa Sue, AMD, buying Xilinx, trying to get that deal done, what, 2022? Right. And then uh, uh, Jensen Wong trying to buy uh, you know, NVIDIA. Trying to buy the big dog, ARM. And that's the one I think is in your wheelhouse because you know that ARM is not going lightly. Yeah, and ARM, of course, part of that portfolio at SoftBank, Carl, which also uh, had a strong quarter on the back of significant gains at the Vision Fund. We talked about it earlier. Finally, Carl, as we send it back to you, keep an eye on those banks. Maybe Bob Bassani will talk a bit about them. Been very strong, of course, as yields do move up a bit. Yeah, all sectors green. Energy is leading, but banks aren't far behind. VIX? Up a little bit here, uh, back above 21, but record highs across the board. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. And we uh, the bank index has been doing terrific recently. Of course, the yield curve has been steepening, and uh, that's uh, got the banks moving. It's also got a little concern about inflation, but David Wright, banks, one of the big movers this morning. Uh, S&P, new high. NASDAQ, new high. Russell, 2000, new high. We're just hitting it right across the board here. Dow, new high. In fact, a global rally, really. But you see energy stocks uh, leading today. We've got oil over 57, the highest levels uh, in a year. There's the David referencing the banks. Uh, there's the bank index. The BKX had a great... A run in the last couple of weeks. Uh, materials, industrials. What is this? This is the reflation trade. That's what you're looking at right there. Uh, you see consumer staples consistently lagging day in and day out the last couple of weeks. That's because investors have bought into the reopening story. So look what the, the market narratives are. The traders are in, in, enamored with Janet Yellen. I mean, she was on the Sunday talk shows 
go back to full employment if we go big. They believe the go big narrative. They believe it's going to pass. Virus infections are slowing. The rollout is continuing. I mentioned last week, Q1 and Q2 earnings estimates are rising. That's the most important thing for the markets because they're buying in to the narrative that the analysts have been underestimating the strength of the recovery and the strength of the rollout. There are inflation worries that are out there. Oil at a one-year high. People have been talking about the commodity inflation that we've been seeing. Uh, the 30-year bond uh, went over 2% briefly. Uh, the 10-year note, uh, we're at the highest uh, level since about March of last year, 1.8% or so. So the inflation worries are there, but that narrative is not dominating the market right now. It's the rollout. It's the reopening narrative that really is important. This is a global rally. I keep emphasizing we hit a 30-year high on the Nikkei today, and, uh, going back to 1990, folks. Uh, we have a historic high in India and in the Bombay. We have an historic high in Germany uh, as well. So it's not just the United States and emerging markets have had a, a, very, good, uh, a very good move up as well. Uh, if you can see, when I say it's the reflation, the, the stay-at-home stocks just aren't as popular anymore. And you can see this again today. The Amazons, Electronic Arts, Activisions, Zooms, they're not having the energy that they had six or seven months ago. And that's evident again today in the trading uh, situation. Finally, just want to note that uh, we had briefly, Carl mentioned, uh, happy birthday, NASDAQ. Uh, it was February 8th, 1971. It was 50 years ago. NASDAQ began operations. That's quite a feat here. You know, it was originally a, a quotation system. You couldn't trade on NASDAQ. It was just a quote system. Uh, and they, their main thing, they really helped lower the bid-ask spreads. Because remember, all this stuff was over the counter. And it was people on telephones. And the bid-ask was a mile wide. Once you start a being able to see it on a computer screen, which is what NASDAQ did, you couldn't trade, but you saw it on a computer screen. The bids ass started to narrow, and that was a big contribution that NASDAQ made. In 1998, they, they were trading online. They were really the first one to trade uh, online, but it's a big thing. And remember, you can buy the NASDAQ. You can buy the ETFs around them. There's several of them, and there they are, including the QQQ Trust. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob. Thanks, uh, Bob Pisani, this morning. As we uh, go to break, take a look at how Treasuries are faring. We mentioned yields a couple of times this morning. Ten-year did get near a one-year high on this optimism surrounding the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. As we said earlier as well, 30-year hovering just around 2%. Europe, uh, German 10-year hits a fresh five-month high. And the Italian 10-year yield still near some one-month lows on these hopes around uh, Mario Draghi helping to form a new government over there. Finally, a look at the dollar index as we get record highs across the board at the open. Don't go anywhere. It's your boy Cassius Cuve. You know I gotta give a shout out to everybody in the SPAC game help me eat good these days. Man, it's crazy. If you win a SPAC game, you know what I'm talking about. We sick of IPOs day one locking us out. My man Randy first told me DraftKings would go public. It's merging with a SPAC and the market gon' love it. I'm like a SPAC, what the hell's that? You get in on the ground flow. It paid big, so I searched and then I found Mo. Well, there's more evidence of SPAC phenomenon. Yeah, it is spreading a new music video called SPAC Dream. The rapper there is Cassius Cuvee. Uh, and uh, I enjoyed listening to it. Of course, Jim, uh, you may have as well. Uh, he knows his stuff. And there's a lot of name checks. I think that's uh, the right term, Carl. I'll go to you out there for our colleagues at Fast Money <laughs> and a lot of other people as well, all in that so-called SPAC game. Very much so. I was going to say, Jim, is it indicative, uh, is it toppy or the beginning of something new? Well, it wasn't in the halftime show. 
So I don't know. You know, give him time. Oh, well, I time. Yeah, he got another full year. But <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't a halftime show, the weekend pretty good. I was he, like, he ends on uh, one of my favorite lines, of course, What's one that? I've used a lot here, and he mentions you as well. Take a listen. Pick a Tesla over other EVs is no surprising, but I can tell Jimmy Chill likes polarizing. It amazes you how many EVs are in favor. Much respect to Mr. Musk, Elon the Trailblazer. Maybe my investments will make half of your green. Like David Faber say, I got a spack and a dream and a mouth. There it is. <laughs> Everybody's got a spack and a dream. And that's certainly oh. every day we see evidence of that, don't we, Jim? Oh, well, when you see these people who, uh, who are announcing now, you, you remember what you're doing. It, it, let's say you're a bank loan officer, and the guy comes in, and he's a fantastic name, and says, look, I want a half billion dollars. I mean, you know, there would be, so let's see your balance sheet. Let's do, No. No. What's your idea, David? Do you have a dream? If you get a dream, you get the half bill, right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy Chill give you a half bill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Jimmy Chill. You betcha. Yeah. Uh, Carl, I think it's too late for us to have us back in a dream, but at least we can enjoy the rap. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's looking pretty tempting at this point. Uh, guys, we'll take a break. Uh, as the S&P, above 3,900 for the first time. Don't go away. Take a look at S&P laggards this morning. Hasbro's at the top of that list. Despite beating uh, earnings estimates by about 13 cents, uh, increased interest in board games and toys due to the pandemic. We're going to check in with Brian Goldner on the quarter coming up in the next hour of Squawk on the Street. Don't go away. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Good old-fashioned Wall Street research still moving something. Target, Steve recommends hold a buy. And part of this because how much people love Shipped, which is their same day, which I love, adore. And uh, Brian Cornell's done some incredible work there. I think it's a great stock to own for opening or closing. People are making too many decisions like Hasbro. Oh, well, that's a nesting stock. There's nothing nesting about Target. It's just doing really well. I think it's a great buy. Yeah, uh, their, their general point, Jim, is that uh, Target customers are more likely to use Things like same-day e-commerce. It's so much fun. I mean, we do so much. We order shipped. If I say, listen, guys, I need Elmer's glue. All right, well, it'll be here. I left my belt home once. So I said, okay, I need a belt. Well, shipped at the belt at 1 o'clock. A very nice belt. Thank, thank you, Adil Reebok, for ordering that. Uh, so we're on it every day. Sometimes we just do it to challenge them. You know, hey, could you guys send us some Crayolas? You know, <laughs> Let's see what they're capable of. Anything. They'll send you anything. Well, that's going to make... By noon. <laughs> that's going to make Simon Property interesting tonight. Oh, boy. David is uh, David Simon. We all know, know uh, if he he is he's voluble. He's viable. He doesn't like critics. I like that. Jimmy Chill likes that. OK, tonight I have Veru, which is a, a very important announcement today about about trying to get people out of the hospital. More importantly, trying to people survive. Uh, there's still people dying with COVID. As David said, they've got something. Um, I like, you know, this Ava. David, you love this. It's LIDAR. Have we even talked LIDAR today? What a bunch of losers we are. Hey, and Steve Engel runs a real company, which is Lindy. Oh, they're all real. Don't worry about it. Uh, but Lindy is the uh, gas company that you need for rockets, that you need for uh, dental, that you need for industry, that you love. Lindy, I love it. Good to be back, Lloyd. That's, you know, that's shining. Oh, thank you. California. Good to have you back. Uh, Thank you. I thought it might be a I thought it might be a a dumb and dumber reference. Jim, we'll see you at six. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mad money, six p.m. Eastern time.
You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.